Good morning. Welcome to Big Bear Christian Center Sermon Audio. Join us this morning as Tim Schmidt shares about forgiveness and healing. Good morning. I just wanted to declare some things this morning. I just wanted to declare to you that this morning there's deliverance in this house. There's healing in this house and there's salvation in this house. But the Lord spoke to me a powerful message and it came in this church sitting right over there. And the Lord began to share something with me. I thought maybe it was a prophetic word over the church and indeed it is. And now, a year and a half, two, three years later, whatever, it's coming. So it's a timely thing. And so we're going to get into that, but I want to share with you what has happened even through that message. The Lord put together that with something else, which is the message I'm preaching this morning. And that's the message I preached at Nia Bay. I had jeans, tennis shoes, and a t-shirt that said, go Seahawks or something. I don't even know what it said. I had no dress clothes. I didn't, we didn't have our worship book. I had no Bible. I borrowed a Bible. You know, I borrowed a Book of Mormon. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I borrowed a Bible, you know, and, and, and like I'm writing my sermon notes out. And if you looked at them, I'd show them to you, to you today. You couldn't even read them. I mean, they were just chicken scratches. You could barely read them. And, and the Lord opened up this doorway for us to minister at this church. Now, I actually didn't know the pastor. My, a bunch of my family, cousins, distant cousins, second cousins, second cousins, once removed, twice removed, third cousins, third cousins, once removed, and twice removed. They all go to this church, right? But I didn't know the pastor. So for him to even ask me was kind of weird. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really strange. But, oh, thanks, babe. Oh, babe, just wait right there. So after, after we preached at this church, all these things happened. And it was really powerful. And they invited us to come back for some meetings. So when we were coming back for these meetings, the theme of our meetings are, was come expecting. And so we, we just... Now, we just don't do anything small in Seattle. So we just, we just brought it to a whole new level. Right, Janet? Come expecting. All right? Anyway, so I want to get into the message, but I want to share the story really quick because it will really bless you what God started doing and to realize that I'm like just a doofus and God just started doing stuff anyway. I'm like, wow, I don't know God can do that sort of thing. So, but, but the Lord used this, this sermon, this message, and I, I, I began to preach it. And even when I was sitting in the pew about to preach, the Lord spoke to me and said some words. And I was like, no way. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And God's like, yes, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I am not. You know, you know, you ever fight with God like that? And, and so I got up to share my message. And I began to preach and probably preach too long. I always do. I'm kind of long-winded. Sorry. If you guys need to take a potty break now, just go and come back. <laughs> no. So I shared this message, and the Lord just began to open up uh, things, even in my heart. And the message was even moving and forming, even as I was preaching. And when I got done, the most amazing thing happened. There was about 60 people in the church that day. And I gave the altar call, and 55 people came forward. And the other thing was, and, and I'm not going to do this to you today necessarily, the Lord told me, he said, you are bringing something unique to this house. And, and the Lord has always impressed upon me. When you pray for people, you pray for them. And you stay and you pray for them. Whether it's 3 o'clock in the morning, which happened in one of our meetings, or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which also happened at our meetings. Okay? Now you guys are all getting bum butt, right? And you're all ready to leave. But don't leave. 
But it was amazing. The only people that didn't respond, they were Lutherans. <laughs> they're, they're a wonderful family, and they only go to that church because they love the people, and they're friends with all the people. But the whole altar call thing to them was like, <laughs> it was kind of a foreign thing, so they didn't respond. So, just so like, I'm not making fun of Lutherans either, but they, you know, they were just real conservative and just, this is not their thing. So we stayed and we, what? Your dad's a Lutheran? Oh, we'll play for you later. <laughs> so, so anyway, the Lord just really started to move, and we started to pray for them, and 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 He told me to tell them this was crazy because it cost me my whole afternoon. I missed like the football games that were on and stuff. But the Lord said, pray for every one of them. You do it. Don't have the pastor do it. Don't have their staff do it or their this or their elders or whatever. Because you're bringing something special and unique and powerful. And when you pray over them, there's going to be a special kind of deliverance. And so I kind of explained it to him. I'd never done that before. It was like this really unique thing. And you know what? Those people stayed. And we prayed till 3.30 in the afternoon. I was so starving, I thought I was going to die. I mean, look at me. I'm, waste- I'm wasting away. 3.30 in the afternoon. And what it did is it broke out freedom in their church. It transformed an entire church because of the word of the Lord. Not because of me. Not because I dressed sloppy or didn't have my Bible or sang slightly flat or whatever I do. It wasn't about me at all. It's never been about me. I finally realized that a few years ago. I, I thought it used to be about me. But it's not about me. It's never about me. Never has been and never will be. So they invited us back. And this is where it gets really crazy. So they invited us back. So we went back in October to do some special meetings. And we were there for Sunday morning, Sunday night. Monday, Tuesday night was the schedule. That's what we were going to do. And the Lord started speaking to me again. He said, don't put me in a box. I will do whatever I want, whenever I want. And if you're preaching on healing, I might heal people and I might not. (laughs) And if you're preaching on giving, I might heal people. I might heal finances. And if you're preaching on the Holy Spirit, I might heal people. And I might fill people with the Holy Spirit. And someone's going to get saved. And every service, the Lord said, you listen to me and don't put me in a box and I will meet you there. And every service, something incredible happened. We had the most incredible salvation I have ever seen in my life. Because I know the guy. I know the guy. And I knew that he would never respond. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me this crazy thing and said, give an altar call for salvation, but make sure that no one, not one person in, this, in the whole sanctuary is looking. Make sure that everybody has their eyes closed. Not just the bow your head, close your eyes thing. Make sure. And when you do, You explain to them that you're not going to call him up and you're not going to embarrass him because he wasn't ready to make a public confession. I know that's weird. I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of it. But on that morning, nobody was looking except for me. I watched back row and he raised his hand. And he started a relationship with Jesus. And I started talking to him, discipling him. And I said, hey, you know what? Someday you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to declare that you're a Christian and that you love Jesus. But I knew the Holy Spirit showed me. You need to start your journey today. So he started this incredible journey, and I gave the weirdest altar call I've ever heard of in my life. I never even thought of that. You know, we're always taught in Bible college and stuff, you know, raise their hands and then grab them by the wrist and drag them forward and pound them on the, you know, and beat them on the platform. And Are you saved yet? Is there demons in there? You know, you just pound them. But it, it wasn't like that. And, and then that night, prayed for, prayed for some people, 
And, and the Lord gave me a prophetic word that there were there was two people that had knee problems, and the Lord healed both of them. One of them was my cousin. I didn't even know she had knee problems. You know what? Her knee is still healed. She's still fine. She still works out on that knee. Okay, so that's cool. So the next night rolls around, and this gal is demonized. Her life has been literally destroyed by these demons. And we began to pray for her. We prayed for her till 3 o'clock in the morning with the pastor and the pastor's wife and her sister. So there's a group of people. And you know what? She was delivered. And she was set free. And today, she's delivered. And she's set free. And she's our friend on Facebook. And the next night, next night rolls around, and God starts moving and doing something else and healing this person, healing that person. And then the pastor says, why don't we go ahead and do Wednesday night too? And I said, okay. I don't have a message, but okay. I'll call my father-in-law. He probably has something. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't call anybody. And so I said, okay, let's do Wednesday night. So Wednesday night rolls around, and I get this word from, from this really neat lady in the church. Really neat. She bakes pies and always lets me have a piece. And she says, oh, there's this, this older, respectable elder in our tribe. There, a lot of them are Native American. And she cannot hear, so she doesn't come to church anymore. And I was supposed to tell her that you were coming. She wanted to come to the meetings, and I forgot. So I'm so glad you're doing Wednesday night. She's coming tonight. She's going to come tonight, okay? I was like, okay, we'll pray for her. So we get into this meeting, and uh, I preached on something. I don't know. It might have been good. It might have been bad. I don't know. But I called people for for prayer, for whatever. I said, the Holy Spirit's here. He's going to do whatever he wants. We don't put him in a box. And she came forward. And I'm thinking, you know, my mind, I'm just a fleshly person. I'm thinking, you can't hear. You're deaf. So why don't I pray for your ears, right? Wouldn't you think that, Pastor? You know? But no, that wasn't what she wanted. She looks at me, kind of. And she said, I can't see. My eyes are black. The doctor says there's nothing, nothing they can do. And I looked in her eyes, and medically, I don't know how to explain this, but it looks like the blacks of her eyes had spread out and wiped out the color. And the, ye- the, yellow, <laughs> the whites of her eyes were yellowish and bloodshot and just did not look healthy at all. So here I am, this guy, and thinking, you know, I always knew God could heal blind people, but never really seen it, never really experienced that. And plus, we're in America. We're not in a third world country. That's where God does all the miracles, right? So this isn't going to work. But, but I'm just like, God, you said you'd meet us here. And who's God that he would lie? He said he was going to meet us. So I just started praying for her. And I was like, let's just anoint your eyes. So we just put some oil over her eyes. I said, be careful. Don't get it in your eyes. Put it over your eyes. And we just started praying. And the whole, we just prayed for just a few minutes. It wasn't even a spectacular prayer or anything. And the Holy Spirit just said, stop. Stop praying. Have her open your eyes. Open her eyes. Look at you and blink. And I'm like, okay. Well, don't forget, she's kind of deaf, so I have to yell at her. Okay, Sadie. <laughs> We're going to stop praying now. And, she, and I, I said, open your eyes. I want you to look at me, and I want you to blink. And when she did, all of the color returned to her eyes, just like that. The white of her eyes turned back to white. Her countenance changed. And she said, I can see. And then she turned and looked, and she goes, you're my pastor. I know you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she didn't know he was there. And Janina's back on the keyboard, and you saw it, didn't you, babe? It's not like this minor thing where, like, oh, Pastor Rob's thumb hurts. Oh, we'll pray for that. Oh, Lord, heal his thumb. All right, you better? Good. All right. Now, you know, and, you know, I can't prove it, 
I mean, I could break your thumb, but I can't heal it. <laughs> but I can't prove that his thumb had hurt. But you can look in Sadie's eyes and see that that color returned. And that those whites were healed. Crazy. I'm just like, I was in shock and awe. I didn't know. What to do. <laughs> I was like, it's like, wow, I've prayed for people before. I, I didn't know God could do that. I mean, I knew God could do that, but sometimes you just pray. How many have just prayed the prayer and just thought, oh, yeah, you don't feel good. All right. Or just heal him. All right. Amen. Don't breathe on me. All right. You know, and you just you just kind of move on and you're just not really sure. And, and it was, you know, I'm just being honest. You just don't know for sure. You pray for someone who has cancer. Next week, we're going to East L.A. Hopefully, we're going to East L.A. I'm going to East L.A. And uh, I just talked to a pa- the pastor down there. We're preaching next week there. And he just said, you are coming at, the, at a very timely moment. Because three people, three people in our congregation were just diagnosed with cancer. All at the same time. So we're going right down into the enemy's territory. I thought about Mark Johnson. I was like, I wish Mark was here. I'd just bring him with me. <laughs> and so amazing things are happening. So then I'm going to, I'll cut this short, story short, but this is, this is too amazing to not, I might even use Matthew for this one. Is that all right? Can I borrow you? Can, can you come up here for a second? So we go to this place, we go to this place, place called Bremerton, Washington. How many know where Bremerton, Washington is? It's a naval base, right? That's where they do the nuclear aircraft carriers and stuff. It's way cool. So, <clears throat> you're too tall. So we go to Bremerton, and when we're praying for people to be healed, and, and they come forward for healing, and that's where the, the former pastor that couldn't see got healed because we stopped and worshiped instead of praying. And this young man comes forward with his aunt. His name is Ernie. And I couldn't tell right away. I didn't, I didn't notice anything was wrong. So he, he comes forward, and I walk up towards him like this. And the Lord shows me, like, a picture of him playing the piano. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't know what that means, but whatever. And, and so the aunt says, his, Ernie's arm... Um, he has problems with his arm. Okay, he played the lame kid. His arm, he's holding his arm like this. His arm is shorter than this one, and his hand is not grown. It's not formed all the way. I didn't notice it right away, but it is very noticeable. And I said, and his aunt's like, hold it down too high. You're young. You can do this. Right there. I don't move. And so Ernie's aunt's like, well, he's going into the doctor. They think there might be something they could do. And, and I said, okay, well, Ernie, do you like music? And they're like, I love music. And his aunt's like, he loves to worship. He sings. He's trying to learn to play the guitar and the piano when he can't. Because he only has one hand. This arm, this elbow only bends this far, and this shoulder only goes this high. He literally can't move. So he's one-armed. And, and I'm like, well, the Lord showed me you playing the piano with both hands. That's what he showed me. Now, will that happen there tomorrow or 10 months from now or a year from now? I don't know, but that's what he showed me. Right? So, I, so I'm like, well, let's just start praying then. So I grab some oil and anoints his, just anoints his hand and rest. And, and the Lord tells me, start just working, working him out. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, so I just did. And I just started massaging his wrist. things up and I'm working out his hands and stuff like that and the Lord just stops 
just amazing. It's amazing to watch this stuff and, and just go, what an incredible God we serve. And, and I always hear these stories about India and Africa and South America and all these incredible healings and the blind and, and the lame and the crippled. And then you come to America and you come into a church and there's the blind and the lame and the crippled. And they come into the building blind and lame and crippled and they leave blind and lame and crippled. I'm like, what's going on? What's blocking that? What's blocking healing? Why? Are we so not into God that we don't allow God to do that? We all want it. Don't we want it? Don't you want to see that? I want to see that. Not just that. I have friends that, like, they're not quite right in the head. Not you, Pastor Rob. I wasn't looking at you. <laughs> no, seriously, like, they're, you know, like, they're, they're de- there's a deformity or there's, you know, or they were born and had super high temperature and, and you know, had problems. And, and I see these people, and there's one particularly that I think of. And every time I see him, he's the, he's the greatest servant a church has ever known. He's at the church. Every time the doors open, he has his own key. So he often opens it himself. And he serves, and he serves, and he serves, and he serves, and he serves. And he serves, and he serves, and then he serves some more and serves again. Does everything that nobody else wants to do. And just serves, and serves, and serves. And every time I see him, I look at him and think, God's going to heal you. He's going to heal that. He's going to heal that. He can't work. He can't work a regular job. His mind won't let him. Place, place tricks on him. You know, and, and does these different things. And I'm like, God's going to heal you. All right, that was all for free. Now let's get into the sermon. My clock's out. Oh, man, I have 10 minutes to preach a 45-minute sermon. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it'll be like the guy, you know, at the auction. Hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and my team is playing. My team. I mean, I was born and raised in Seattle. I've been a Seahawks fan since they were a, the foundation of the team was laid, and they played in the kingdom in 1976. Well, I was five years old then, so I don't. I actually, okay, I was a fan since 79, but we've toiled for decades. All right, got to move on. Who, who cares about the Super Bowl right now? Later on, we'll care about it, but not for now. This is the important thing that the Lord has shown me that I want to bring to you today. So I'm going to move fast. Oh, Lord, help us. We're going to move fast, fast, fast. I want to tell you a quick story. Okay, this is a story that is part of the sermon. It's not, it's not for free. This one cost you. It's part of the sermon. All right? There was this young man that had, um, he had uh, grown up in church all his life and been a part, and his dad had been a pastor and a music leader and all this, and he just really felt God calling him to be a youth pastor. And he just move out into ministry. And so he went to Bible college and did, you know, did his four years penance. I mean, he went to Bible college for four years and uh, just really enjoyed it and just grew and learned and whatever. And 
and was able to connect up with the church and became a youth pastor and started leading worship and all this different stuff. And God was just doing these pretty cool things and starting to open doors. And he got a call uh, to go work at a church that his grandfather planted, which was way, you know, amazing for him. And so he goes, he moves, picks up everything, single guy, picks up everything, and he moves. He moves down about 80 miles away from his family, and uh, he's going to serve the Lord there. And uh, he just knew this is just going to be awesome, right? And he gets there and, and starts building some stuff, starts building a team. Another family moves with him professional piano player, actually, who moved with him. Some other, some other friends had connected, and they started building worship and started building stuff and growing some youth and connecting with people. And it, it, was, it was just good. It was a good time. And, and, but something happened. And something happened that was bad. And what happened was someone decided to lie about this person and say things that weren't true. And people, some kind of believed him and some kind of didn't. But it didn't matter because it, it was destructive to the ministry. It was destructive to his life, his career, and where he was at. He, could don't, he couldn't even be there anymore because he was unwanted. And those things that were said, they were foolishness. They were, stu- they were just stupid. Can I say stupid? I like the word. It, it was just foolishness. It was total lies. It was made up. Just baloney. And, and this guy, he was so hurt. I mean, he's living like on the same block at the, as the church. He's eight miles from home, doesn't know what to do. And this guy just keeps lying about him and saying these nasty things and, and turning people against him. Some people believed him, others didn't. And he, you know, he, he was like, he did everything he thought he knew how to do. He tried to tell the truth. He didn't try to make waves. He didn't go to the church and confront people or anything like that. He just was kind of trying to do, do he was just trying to move on, move on in ministry, just leave that behind. But it, it seemed to just be impossible. This was impossible. And it got uglier and uglier and uglier, and nasty things were said. And the guy had even threatened, you know, like violence. This guy that was lying. It was just silliness. But the thing was, is that that young man began to build up something in his heart, and it's called unforgiveness. And he began to get a root of bitterness and unforgiveness towards this man. This man was clearly lying about him clearly lying. And that root of unforgiveness came in. <clears throat> and then his life started turning for the worse. And pretty soon, all doors started closing. Then, then you're not welcome over here. Then they don't want you over here. And then you can't go there. Well, that person was me. That was me. And the Lord began to close doors like I had never seen. Like people that I even thought were friends all of a sudden weren't friends <laughs> because of lies. It was crazy. But it wasn't, it wasn't because of the I thought it was because of the lies. It wasn't. It was because of my unforgiveness. Most of the people didn't even believe the lies. But they could see the unforgiveness in me. They could see that I was mad and angry. If that guy came over to, to he, he threatened to come over and knock me out when I was working in my yard. And I was like, bring it on. <laughs> I'm such a good Christian man. I think the Bible says turn the other's cheek, but I've never been able to practice that. <laughs> I'm too quick, <laughs> you know. And so, but I just want to share that, that that bitterness and unforgiveness could have ruined my life if I let it. In fact, I want, I want you to know something, because this is a church family that's very closely connected to me, even though some of you aren't Seahawks fans, is that <clears throat> I, you, you were all wondering for years, where's Janina's husband? Weren't you? 
Come on, tell the truth. That, that, that Linda Stengel, there's one honest person. Many, many people were like, where is her husband at? What is he doing? What a doofus. What's the matter with him? Why does he get up here and get his woman? Right? Right? Isn't that true? I know the parents were that way. <laughs> I, <laughs> it was late. But you know what? The Lord was working in me through things because I couldn't have my prize and my bride until I worked through forgiveness. Until I got that root of bitterness yanked out and destroyed and removed. Let me share a couple things here. I'm already out of time. <laughs> unforgiveness is a catalyst for depression. All right, this is, this is unforgiveness. Over here, this is forgiveness. Got it? Unforgiveness brings depression, or can bring depression, let's say. But forgiveness can restore joy. Right? Unforgiveness brings despair. Forgiveness will bring hope. Unforgiveness can bring disease. Did you know that? That bitterness can bring physical ailments and disease in your life. That doesn't mean every disease is based on you know, bitterness either. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. <laughs> okay? But it can bring unhealthiness and disease. It can make you susceptible to z- disease. Forgiveness can bring health. Emotional health. Physical health. Unforgiveness brings enslavement. But forgiveness, what do you think it brings? It brings freedom. What did we declare this morning? There's freedom in the house of God today. Unforgiveness brings bondage, but forgiveness brings deliverance. Deliverance. Powerful. Okay? Unforgiveness it brings a root of bitterness. They're, kind, they're tied together. You know what I mean? The unforgiveness. And I got so angry. And you know what? In the, in the flesh, I was justified. I was 100% justified. The things that that man said were 100% lies. And most of the time, I could prove it. I had evidence. I, I had people that would back me up and show that he wasn't telling the truth. But it didn't matter because it, it brought bitterness anyway. I allowed it to. But forgiveness brings healing. Healing. Unforgiveness can bring unrest. For the first time in my life, I couldn't sleep through the night when I was going through that. I'm a great sleeper. I'm a professional sleeper. When I was a kid, I slept one time, and there was a there was a three alarm fire down the road from our house. Three alarms, you know what that means? Three fire departments had to respond. An entire building burnt to the ground. I never woke up. I had no idea. My brothers were up. My mom and dad were up. They're all out in the back. My dad probably even walked up the road to see the building burn to the ground and all that. And I was like, "Why didn't you guys wake me up?" Oh, you were sleeping. Thanks. Okay, <laughs> unrest, but forgiveness brings peace. Right? This is a great scripture. John 10.10. If you're taking notes, John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Right? Kill, steal, and destroy. In my life, that unforgiveness, that's how the enemy worked it. And I know this morning that there's things going on in some of you too that are very similar. And there's unforgiveness. And that's, that's one of the reasons why this message is for you this morning. Unforgiveness brings lack. Forgiveness can bring abundance. Here's a good one. Unforgiveness can bring death. Why is that? 
Am I going to die because I don't forgive somebody? You're not going to die because you didn't forgive somebody. But it will bring. It can bring death. It can bring spiritual death. And if it can bring disease, certainly it can bring physical death. Isn't that right? Unforgiveness is a bad thing. Isn't that true? Unforgiveness. What? Drink water? All right. Babe, don't jump forward in my notes. All right? (laughs) Unforgiveness brings destruction, but forgiveness can rebuild. Rebuild. Okay, now I, I have a little side note here. This is important because I've been praying over people and the Lord has shown me some things at times. Don't freak out about that. It's not like I'm going to share it publicly. Sometimes I don't even share it with them. But this one, one person in particular, I won't, I won't tell that story necessarily, but let me tweak it just a little bit. The Lord wanted to bring restoration. I just got lost. Probably too hot. What did I just say? Destruction, right? And rebuilding. I lost my story. Let's move on. Unforgiveness robs you, but forgiveness brings restoration. So rebuilding and restoration, right? Oh, that's what I was going to do. Now I remembered. This is important. There have been people that we've prayed for, and they have had major issues of unforgiveness. Now you need to know that you can forgive someone that's done horrendous things to you in your past, beyond horrendous things, things that in the flesh are unforgivable. But by the Spirit of God, they're forgivable. But you need to know this. It doesn't mean you have to restore a relationship with them. You do not have to. You don't have to put yourself back in a dangerous place. That man that lied about me, I love him and I pray for him. I know where he's at. Right? But I'm not going to trust him with my wife and my daughter. I'm not going to trust him with my wallet. I'm not going to trust him with my ministry. I would never have him come alongside me and do ministry. I don't, I don't need to rebuild with somebody who still is unrepentant and untrustworthy, right? But I forgive him. He's released. He's done, right? Okay. Now, in my notes, babe, there's this little quote. All right, ready? This is really powerful. Joyce Meyer says this. It's really, really good. Holding unforgiveness in your heart is like drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. Have you heard that? Drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. Pastor Rob, you offended me so bad the other day because your burrito that you brought at the Mexican place was bigger than mine. And I, I needed it, and I was just so offended. And so I'm angry at Pastor Rob. Not really. Okay, this is just an example. All right, calm down. I love Pastor Rob. He's my elder. <laughs> Respect your elders by two days, you know. <laughs> that's one of the things that's funny. He's two days older than me. He was born in Bothell, Washington, November 5th, 1970. I was born in... What? Oh, yeah, you're the second. Yeah, we're five days. Wow, you're a lot older than I thought. <laughs> Bothell, Washington, November 2nd, 1970. And I was born in Auburn, Washington, November 7th, 1970. But your hospital was torn down. Mine is still standing. <laughs> and you're bitter. <laughs> He's bitter. So, so unforgiveness, it'd be like, I'm so mad at you and angry. You might even know I'm mad at him. What do I do? I drink the poison. <laughs> you dead yet? Now are you dead? And, and he's over there thinking, oh, that was just a fun time, a great burrito. And I'm going to have to get another burrito next week. <laughs> That's such a good burrito. 
But he, you know, he's oblivious. And that's what happens a lot of times. People are oblivious. I mean, okay, I have a lot of in-laws in this town. In-laws, outlaws, call them over, whatever you want. Some, some of them are both. But if they, I mean, if they, if they can't operate in forgiveness, by the time we're done here and, and we're driving away in about a week and a half or so, they're all going to hate me. <laughs> they have to forgive me all the time. I'm always doing something wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like you say something and then, you know, like, go Seahawks! And the Bronco guy is all mad. You know, like, too bad. Go, go Seahawks. As we were doing worship, the Lord showed me something about forgiveness. Ironic, isn't it? Joseph. How many know this, the story of Joseph? If you don't know the story of Joseph, um, ask Pastor Rob later. Okay? Joseph, he chose to walk in forgiveness. He had to. Because if he didn't, the Lord could not have put him in the position he was in. Now think about this for a minute. Let's connect this together. Because he chose to walk in forgiveness, God placed him in the place that he was in. And because of that, what was he able to do? Which Joseph? The coat of many colors. Yeah, Joseph, Mary's husband. No. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the coat of many colors. His brothers, you know, was jealous. they were jealous of him. They tried to get rid of him. You know, they dumped him off at a Winchell's and left him. No? But am I mixing up my stories? Oh, oh yeah, that's when I met Janina. <laughs> I was going to Winchell's. We don't have Winchell's in the Northwest anymore, so I was going to Winchell's down in Victorville. All right, so my stories are mixed up. So Joseph, because he chose to walk, because he chose to walk in forgiveness. And here's the thing: you have to learn to walk in forgiveness. Walk in it. It's not a one-time deal. That guy that lied about me, his name is Bruce. I don't even like the name Bruce anymore. <laughs> but I have to walk in forgiveness for him. Because you know what? I could take all of that garbage and I could bring it back into my heart and I could tell the story. And there's a lot more to the story. I mean, I really pared it down a lot. And I could vomit that stuff up. And I could get angry all over again, bitter all over again, and bring all that unforgiveness towards him all over again and say, I need to go take Bruce down. I need to take him out. He's a liar. I need to take him out. Uh uh-uh. uh. Walking in forgiveness is choosing to keep forgiving and keep forgiving and not bringing up the stuff that you've forgiven. So anyway, Joseph was able to bring, look at this, restoration and salvation to an entire nation and his family. Why? Because he walked in forgiveness. He walked in forgiveness. He saved their lives. No exaggeration. He saved their lives because he walked in forgiveness. Yeah, I'm really out of time. Ephesians 4, 30 and 32 says this. <clears throat> Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That means do it right now. And be kind-hearted to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. By the way, this is New King James. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tenderness, tender mercies, 
kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must. The word must is in italics, and I didn't do that. It was out of the Bible gateway. You must forgive them. You must. Here's one of the most powerful scriptures on forgiveness. Are you ready? Matthew. Your favorite book, right, Matthew? Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, people, their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive you your trespasses. What does that mean? That means if you don't walk in forgiveness, you don't receive forgiveness. Wow. Hello. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Put it in your notes. Read it later. I'm not going to read it now. It's too long. I'm moving forward. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. How many know how often you're supposed to give? Forgive. How do you how do you forgive? Just one time? Twice a day? Three times a day? Well, Peter. Yeah, that's right. Peter asked Jesus. Matthew 18:21 said this. Then Peter came unto him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I read that wrong. Lord, how how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? No. What did Jesus say? He said 70 times 7. Unlimited. You you keep forgiving. Doesn't mean you can't protect yourself and move away from that. But but you can forgive. You have to forgive. Forgiveness, forgiveness brings freedom. It's really ironic because Peter, the one who's asking that question, of all the disciples, he's the one that really, really, really needed forgiveness. He's the one that denied Christ three times. Can you imagine the brokenness in his heart and needing the forgiveness of Jesus after denying him three times? Just amazing. Forgiveness brings freedom. Freedom that some, some of you may have, may have never even known. Do you know that? There's times when we hold on to unforgiveness for so long, from a very young age to a very old age. There's people that are like that, that have done that. And it's blocked them from joy. It's blocked them from freedom and worship. I think about King David. Before he was King David, he was just David. David was to be the next king. But the prophet Samuel, right, calls up Jesse on his cell phone and says, Yo, Jesse, <coughs> I'm supposed to come anoint the next king. So I need you to uh, get your boys ready. One of your sons is going to be the next king. But don't tell anybody. This is on the down low, all right? Don't tell anybody. We've got to do this fast because the Super Bowl's coming on. All right? And so the prophet shows up at Jesse's house. And Jesse's got his sons lined up out here, ready to go, right? Oldest to youngest. And, okay, I, I'm just going to make up a little bit of a story now. Could you just imagine Samuel going to the oldest and, and the dad and the mom and all these people there? They're like, oh, the oldest son. What an incredible son. A man of integrity, stands upright, walks with God, loves God, loves the Word of God. Surely this is the next king. Samuel begins to pray for him. God's like, nope, that's not the one. She goes, oh, all right. Steps over the next one. And everybody's like, oh, well, okay, well. The second oldest son, he's a wonderful son. He's so smart. He's so intelligent. He will, he will be a great king. 
And so Samuel starts praying. No, that's not the one. He asked the Lord, right? That's not the one. He moves to the next one. You can just imagine how this is all going down, and they're all like, oh, well, you know, all right, well, you know, the next one. Oh, he, he, he really loves people. He's just got a passion for people. that, And he always feeds the poor. He'll be a great king. He'll be a king that will have a heart after the people. So the third son, you know, Samuel starts praying for him. No, God says, no, that's not the one. So he goes down the line, and, and they're like, nope, not the one, not the one. And, and Samuel's like, okay, God, um, did I hear from you wrong? Because this is, you know, Jesse's house. Here we are. And his son is supposed to be the next king. So he turns to Jesse and goes, is this all your sons? Is none, none of these, these aren't the right guys. And, <clears throat> and Jesse says, oh, well, yeah, we, you know, the runt of the litter, David, he's, he's out with the sheep. He's scooping the poo, you know. He's out, he's out with the sheep, but, I mean, he's just a shepherd boy. I mean, he's the runt. He'll probably never even be that tall. You know, he's not that strong. Probably not that smart. No, he would never say that. But So he goes and gets David, and sure enough, David's the next king. So you can imagine, from David's very early years, he was rejected by his own father. His own father wouldn't even put him in a lineup to, be, to maybe be, a, you know, at least you get a free prayer from Samuel, the prophet, right? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> okay, you take care of the sheep. I could just imagine, like, all the servants were even there watching, like, the prophet Samuel, but David was alone with the sheep. I could just imagine. So from a very young age, then he grows up and he goes through all these things. I'm going to tell you all the stories of David. Time after time after time after time. Pushed away, laughed at, rejected. David and Goliath. How many other stories of David and Goliath? Can you imagine this little twerp? I'm going to kill I'm going to kill I'm going to kill Goliath, you know? And the king, the king is like, oh, this will be good. We're going to put this on YouTube. <laughs> you know? Here, here. That giant's going to go. <laughs> and it'll, it'll be good. We'll, we'll put it on the news. You know, and, and time after time, you can just imagine David. But every time, David proved him wrong, right? So then David's in the castle, and he has all this favor, right? And then what happens? The king, Saul, turns against him. What does he want to do? He wants to kill him. He doesn't want to just beat him up and toss him out into the, you know, the, the, out with the, the manure. He wants to kill him. So now David's on the run for his life. And he's in a cave, and he's got nothing to eat, and everything's gone against David. And David has a choice to make. What's the choice that he has to make? All through his life, what's the choice he had to make? I forgive. And when I was sitting in that chair over there about two years ago, I asked the Lord, I said, how did King David have such freedom in worship? As the king coming into Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant, that he would tear off his kingly robes, which is extremely significant, by the way. It's not a minor thing that a king would remove his kingly robes in front of anybody other than his closest help, spouse, whatever, right? Very significant. He takes it off, and he dances before the Lord. Very significant. How did David have that freedom? How can I get that freedom? And the Lord speaks to me and said, David had that freedom because he chose to walk in forgiveness. The hardest thing I'm moving towards the close, I promise. The hardest thing for us and for King David is to forgive yourself. Time after time, altar call after altar call, place after place, wherever God's brought us. I haven't always preached this message, by the way. I do have other messages. As we began to pray, this one gal in particular, this is a story I'm going to share. This one gal in particular I started praing for. Janine was right here. 
on the keyboard, stage right, began to pray for her. The pastor's wife was with us, and the Lord showed me that she couldn't forgive herself because she had had an abortion over 30 years ago. And she walked in self-hatred and doubt, despair. She stayed in church, but she struggled. She, 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 had, she didn't have freedom in worship. She had freedom in the word. She felt like her prayers were blocked. How many know your prayers are blocked? Walk in unforgiveness and then try to ask God for something. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get an answer. Ask the Lord to show you a dream or a vision when you're walking in unforgiveness. You're not going to get anything. So this morning, the important thing is this. Oh, there goes my water. The important thing is this. Forgiveness will bring freedom to you in this house this morning. Now, I believe God's going to heal some people this morning too, but the message is about freedom and forgiveness. Pastor Rob and I were talking, and I know I'm a little over time, sorry. We were talking, and I said, you know what? It's okay if we go a little over time, because if you want freedom and you want deliverance in your life, it's going to cost you something. You know what it's going to cost you? It's going to cost you a little bit of time because it's 11:16. You know what else it's going to cost you? A little bit of pride. Because I had opportunity, uh, me personally, I had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, opportunity, opportunity to respond to an altar call just like this. There were evangelists, missionaries, pastors. Sometimes it, sometimes it seemed like they were reading my mail. It's like, well, who told him about my life? That's not fair. And you know what? My pride kept me from stepping out of the pew or the chair or wherever we were at, even the teepee, and coming forward and responding. My stupid pride. I can't walk forward. I'm a Bible college graduate. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I'm a music pastor. I've written worship songs. I've led worship for thousands of My pride. My pride almost destroyed me because I wouldn't respond. So I'm telling you this morning, drop the pride. I don't care who you are or who you think you are. I used to be professional this and professional that. Yeah, well, so what? God doesn't care. God cares about right here, where you're at, who you are, your heart. Can you do it? Can you receive forgiveness? Can you? Can you give forgiveness? There's people here that have heavy, 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 heavy things. Things I never had to go through. Things were done to you when you were a kid. Sometimes evil and demonic things. I thank God that the Lord saved me from those things. But I have a heart up for those people. And I want you to know that if you don't forgive and you don't move forward, you're just binding yourself up. You're drinking the poison and hoping the person dies. A lot of times the person's already dead. They're already gone. They've died years and 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 years ago. And here we are still mad at them. What are you going to do? Go stomp on the grave? That will really make the dead person mad. Won't no. It doesn't do anything. Just keep building the bitterness in your heart. Some of you have roots of bitterness that are so big and so deep that it makes your sapling, your tree, look puny tree that God wants to grow is being destroyed by the root of bitterness. It's being destroyed by the root of bitterness. It's being destroyed.
destroyed. It's not a small thing. It is not a small thing to forgive. I had to forgive Bruce. I thought he destroyed me. He wrecked my relationship with an entire church organization. Did you know that? Yeah. Actually, I preached in one of their churches a few months ago, so it's fine. There's restoration, there's healing, there's forgiveness. But at the time, it looked like my ministry was over. The very thing that God breathed in me when I was a young man, the very makeup and DNA of who I am and what I want to do. I can build a house. I can do this. I can do that, whatever. I've been a contractor. I'm tired of it. I want to be a contractor. I want to bring healing to the nations through Jesus. Not through me. Through Jesus. The very DNA of who I was, it seemed like was being destroyed by the lies of the enemy. But you know what? Choosing to forgive and walk in forgiveness released it. It released all the poison for me and released me back into all that I have. I have the most beautiful baby girl. You guys have seen her? Some of you, huh? My little Jada. I have a little baby boy on the way. We don't know his name. I won't say that because it's a joke and it's an inappropriate time. But we don't have a name yet. But the Lord's going to show us. The word Jada comes from the word Yada in the Old Testament. While you were yet in your mother's womb, I knew you. I Yada you. I Yada Right? That's where her name comes from. Because we can have a name for her either. <laughs> One day we were talking on the phone and I said, you know what? God knows. He knows. That's her name. That's the kind of blessing God wants to pour out on you. Now, if you're a 75-year-old grandma, don't think that you have to have a baby now. <laughs> you know? That was for me in my life. And what God was releasing in my life. I have an incredible bride. Hello? She even sings better than me. <laughs> Kind of jealous, really. Don't be better and unforgiving. Oh, well, okay. But she plays the keyboard better than me. She's a better worship leader than me. But I can beat her in basketball. Before she was pregnant, settle down. But God blessed me with my bride. And now my baby Jada and little baby boy on the way. Those blessings came because of forgiveness. Because I chose to walk in forgiveness. I chose to drop those things behind. So here's the altar call. This is it right now. First of all, I want you to know that it's worth the time spent it is worth the time. If you've got to run out, you go ahead and go. Nobody's mad at you. Nobody's going to judge you. Maybe you're not dealing with unforgiveness. But I, I bet maybe you are. And there's some of you, and you're, you're dealing with some, some just little tidbits of unforgiveness, and you're just thinking, ah, it's not that big of a deal. You're like at this level one. Like the neighbor's dog did his number on your, your lawn sort of thing, right? And you're just like, that neighbor of mine, oh, I that neighbor. I'm going to put out some antifreeze and get that dog, you know? You have like this, this little bit of unforgiveness. So there's people here, and you're at a level nine. And you have had the worst things happen to you. I'm amazed as a minister, and Pastor Rob, Pastor Jeff, probably the same thing. I hear like the most horrendous things and stories, and I think I could never hear anything worse than that. And then like a month or two later, you hear something, and you go, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. And it's just like bad on top of bad on top of bad. Wherever you're at, if you're dealing with unforgiveness, if you're a level one, a level one, or a level nine, or a level ten, if you're dealing with forgiveness because somebody did or said something about you, or if you're dealing for unforgiveness because you did something, because you sinned against God, you did that thing against God, and you need to forgive yourself, first of all, you need to know self-forgiveness, the Holy Spirit helps you bring forgiveness to, to yourself. 
You don't have a right to not forgive yourself when Jesus says you're forgiven. It's like saying that you are more powerful than the blood of Christ. That's foolish. That is spiritual foolishness. So if you're in this place right now, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes, bow their heads really quick. If you're in this place, oh, please stand. Everyone stand. If you're in this place, you're dealing with unforgiveness at any level, at any level at all. First of all, you need to know that in this house, this house of God this morning, you are not going to be judged. You are not judged. Right? Whether, whether you come forward or don't, this is not about judgment. You are not being judged. Because it could just be the neighbor's dog. You're not being judged. It's about release. So if you're in this house today and you're dealing with unforgiveness, if the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you during this sermon, during this time, and convicting you, and I don't care if it's just a little thing, and you need to release it, I want you to raise your hand right now. Don't let pride stop you. Raise your hand right now. There's hands up all over the place. There's more of you. Just raise them up right now. Raise them up. Yep. Amen. That's right. All right, you can put your hands down. Here's the deal. We want to pray specifically for you. That doesn't mean I have to pray for you, but if you want me to pray for you, I will stay until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 3.25, I'll stay. I just go, I'll stay all day. I don't care. That's what Tebow's for. We, we want to pray for you. And we want to help you through that, that moment, that time, that thing, that unforgiveness that's been holding you back. In worship this morning, there's a lack of freedom in this house because of unforgiveness in individual hearts. Did you know that? Can you sense that at times? That there's kind of like, there's a freedom trying to break through, but it never really breaks. It never really breaks. You want that to break? You want there to be a breakthrough as a congregation, brothers and sisters in Christ? Forgive each other then. Forgive sins against you and forgive yourselves. So I'm going to ask you now, Pastor Rob, we clear some chairs or whatever we're doing. We're just going to have a good old-fashioned altar call. I'm going to ask you, if you raised your hand, and even if you didn't, you feel free. I want you to come up here, and I just want you to begin to worship. I want you to just begin to worship with Janina. And as you do, the Holy Spirit is going to start ministering to you, and we're going to pray over you. This is a very serious time. I, I encourage you again and again and again, don't miss this moment. Because this could be your chance right now to be delivered from unforgiveness and to bring freedom that you've not seen. So come. Come with a vengeance. Run if you have to. I don't care. There's been times when I felt like I needed to run to the altar because of what was going on in my heart and in my life. And if we get too crowded up here, you guys can just use the stage. and surrender. Just surrender through worship right now. Just begin to surrender. You're surrendering your, your shame, your guilt. Just surrender. Jesus, we surrender to your
lost our faith find their way at the sound of your great name and all condemned we feel no shame at the sound enemy has to flee at the great name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. Deliverance in the name of Jesus. And what else is there? There is forgiveness in the name of Jesus. If you're having trouble forgiving someone, then begin to call out in Jesus' name. Begin to call out in Jesus' name. And maybe, maybe there's somebody that you don't even know or don't remember their name. It doesn't matter. Begin to call out in Jesus' name. Jesus, help me. Help me to forgive that person those persons. Help me to forgive. I choose to walk in forgiveness right now. I choose to walk in forgiveness in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I choose to walk in forgiveness. No more. You don't have to be bound anymore. Stop drinking the poison. Let somebody else drink the poison. You don't have to drink it. Don't drink it. Let it go. Release it. In Jesus' name, release it in Jesus' name. I release that person. I release those people. I don't have to hold them anymore. Jesus' name. I turn them over to the Lord. I turn them over to the Lord. I'm done with that. It's my past.
and I believe you're my portion. And I believe you're my portion. And I believe you're more than enough. Jesus, you're all I need. Let's begin to pray here for a second. I'm going to ask you to just pray after me. And we're going to keep praying for people too, but let's just have a corporate prayer. And if you're out there, I want you to pray with us too. There's some that haven't, maybe haven't responded, and maybe you should. That's okay. You know what? God can touch you where you're at too. And so we're going to pray right now. And even if these words don't fit you, pray them over you anyway. Okay? Because maybe you're praying them over someone else. Jesus, I release unforgiveness, people, and persons that have hurt me. I release them to you, Jesus. I will not hold them for what they've done to me anymore. I refuse to drink the poison anymore. I choose to walk in freedom and deliverance and to begin to shout on this mountaintop that I am free. Because the word of the Lord says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Begin to shout on this mountaintop. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm free. The Spirit of the Lord brings freedom and liberty. In Jesus' name releasing, releasing, releasing. Don't let the enemy come tomorrow and tell you that that bad person is saying those things about you. Or that you should bring it back up in your heart and your mind and try to regrow that root of bitterness. That's exactly what the enemy is going to tell you. Before the Super Bowl is even over today, he's going to come and tell you that that was a ridiculous thing. That you even came forward to the altar. That's what he's going to tell you. You know what? He's a liar. He's a liar. You've come, you've been changed and transformed and set free at this house today. This body is going to be a different body. You want to know why? Because you're a body that walks in forgiveness of each other. Walk in forgiveness of each other. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful tools that we have. Did you know that? It is a powerful tool. Forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. In Jesus' name. We're going to keep on praying. If you need to go... You feel free to go. If you want to stay, we're going to keep praying. Also, we want to pray for anybody who has a physical ailment and you want to be healed. Now that doesn't-